0: super talk mississippi media production
1: did you know toyota of brookhaven has sold more new vehicles the last two years than any other dealership in southwest mississippi come see why exit 40 brookhaven or online at Toyotabrookhaven.com great service great savings at toyota of brookhaven we deliver
2: howdy howdy it's rhino here and i wanted to say thank you for listening to middays with gerard gibbert here on super talk mississippi
3: Morning to you. How you doing, Dave Hughes? In the chair, live in the Element Well Studios on midday's. Rhino, freshly rested. You can tell. You can. First time I laid eyes on him this morning, I could tell he spent the week working on his tan. Welcome back, birthday boy. How you doing? Howdy, howdy. Good time off. Oh yeah. Is there such a thing as bad time off?
2: I mean, there's such a thing as bad pizza, although most pizzas are good. But I would say it's tough to have a bad time off.
3: We're very close to having the pineapple discussion. (laughs) You brought up pizza and used the word bad, and we can go down a really, really uh, horrific path there if we're not careful. Well, I'm glad you're back.
2: Yeah, I was telling Gary I didn't slow down long enough to to give myself a hangover, so I feel like I'm having a touch of a cumulative hangover. Like, I'm not hungover, I just, I'm definitely not in high gear yet.
3: Yeah, yeah. Well, first day back after, well, a week off, basically. Essentially, yeah. Last Thursday was the last time you were here. Uh, Rhino was here last Thursday when I was up, and then I went back to Pike County, and he went home, and then now we've met back up here again. So basically, you, you just bookended it with me.
2: I mean, there are worse ways to bookend time off.
3: I'll give you your $20 <laughs> during the break. Thank you for that. I uh, got a lot of interesting stuff to talk about today. A lot of news popping all over the place. I uh, got some good guests because one of the big news stories is Saturday night we could go into a federal government shutdown. Oh no. Yeah. Well, it will be and and every time it happens, it is represented as this unique catastrophic event. Fourteen times since 1980, we have had a federal government shutdown. This is not that unusual or that new. It's still a problem, but it's not a problem because the government is shut down. It's a problem because, well, we're dysfunctional. Just in general. Because, I'm sorry, we have five members of the Republican Party in the House that have thrown a monkey wrench in all this and drug out the ability to try to get the fight going and get what we need done, actually done. We're having all this infighting, all this squabbling, and it's not helping us in any way whatsoever, especially coming up on an election year. My opinion, uh, we need to present a unified front as best as possible. Work all this stuff out behind closed doors. That that's the way that we get ahead. Uh, the the interesting part, and, and we'll talk to Congressman Michael Guest about it. He's uh, coming up at the bottom of the hour. He's joining me here. We're going to talk about the government shutdown, uh, uh, about a big development at the air base in Meridian. We're going to talk to him about it as well, and then next hour. We're going to have a discussion about something else that's a huge, hot topic, and that is Medicaid in the state of Mississippi. We had the announcement last week from Governor Tate Reeves. Uh, Well, we have Dr. John Mitchell, president of the Mississippi State Medical Association, joining us at the top of the hour next hour, where we'll discuss what this means, kind of get into some of the nuts and bolts of it, uh, the nuts and bolts of things. I find myself in a weird position here, The reason why is as I look at all of the squabbling back and forth, as I look at all the arguments and all the discussions, I was just reading an article uh, on uh, Fox News talking about artificial intelligence on Fox Business uh, and why, uh, you know, how people feel about it. Four out of five people are worried about it eliminating jobs, taking people's jobs. I love that this is the way people work mentally, because four out of five of the people surveyed are worried about it taking jobs. Only two out of five are worried about it taking their job. It's all those other people! Yeah, right. Okay, sure. But this brings up something. We are having endless conversations and endless arguing and positioning and everything else about... Everything under the sun. Everything. Artificial intelligence. And the whole point of doing that poll was the fact that what politicians are arguing about and why it's so dangerous is not the same thing that the public is worried about when it comes to it. There's a big disconnect there. I know. Breaking news, Rhino. The people in Washington don't really understand how everybody else is thinking about this. Who'd have thunk it? But this is the difficult position I find myself in, because this statement still rings true. Back when Bill Clinton was running for president, James Carville, crazy southern bald guy, he should have that on his business card, by the way. And him being who he is, he would probably own that. He had a sign that he made that they hung in the Clinton campaign headquarters to keep everybody focused and on track the middle thing out of the three things listed on that sign basically kind of became the campaign slogan and everybody uses it and changes out the the middle word in this phrase all the time but there is a lot of truth to this and i think the party that focuses on this will win any election it's the economy stupid you've heard that phrase you've heard it change it's the deficit stupid it's this stupid it's that stupid The prices at the grocery store, the prices at the gas pump, the prices for everything, the fact that, at the same time, pay's not really going up. So everything's getting more expensive, but you've still got the same amount to work with. It's the economy stupid. The first candidate to 100% connect with the public on that issue make the public feel like they understand where they're coming from and that they will work to get it under control and fix it, wins. The problem is nobody's addressing it really. Oh, they're they're kind of nibbling around the edges. You know, we get to screaming about China and try to kind of loop that back around and tie it into the account. People sitting around the kitchen table having dinner at this point, fried bologna sandwiches, because that's about all they can afford. Ground beef is, yeah, that's a little out of reach for a lot of folks. Uh, they don't care about China. They don't care about the encroaching various policies. And no, they they care about the fact that they go to the grocery store with their hundred dollars and they're buying a third of what they did a year ago with that hundred dollars. Tell them how you're going to fix that. You win. In a landslide. It's the economy, stupid. Still applies. That's how Clinton got elected. And it's still applies. Well, that and playing
2: sacks on Arsenio Hall. Uh,
3: sacks on Arsenio Hall and, uh, you know, helping the budding media careers of people like Monica Lewinsky. You know, there's a lot of things that he did. <clears throat> yeah. But he was also just a likable guy, which helped. This is the simple, easy solution, to me, with this whole thing. We've got the Republican debate, second one, coming up tonight. Seven people instead of eight on the stage. The first person that can connect with the American public on this, make them believe that they understand what the public is going through, and make them believe that they're going to work to fix it, wins. It really is just that simple to me. Am I looking at it wrong, Rhino? No. That's the big thing. That's it. We keep arguing over all this other stuff about, you know, oil drilling and immigrants and drag shows and everything. Whether or not there are drag shows does not affect your grocery bill. Even if you figure out how it does, those people sitting around that kitchen table aren't going to buy it. They're, they're not gonna believe that. This I and I am giving away the store here. I am giving away a rock solid blueprint for anybody to win. This is all you gotta do. That's it. Nobody seems to be going in that direction. Which basically makes everybody think well nobody nobody cares and if they do they don't know what to do to fix it so oh well it doesn't matter that's why we have voter apathy right now got a huge in the democratic party one of the last polls when they were running down who they wanted to see as the democratic nominee for president biden was down several other people were up It was very close to being a tie between Joe Biden and anybody else. There's a lot of people on both sides have just thrown up their hands and said, None of these people get it. None of these people are gonna get it. I don't care. It doesn't matter. You get somebody to come out and start saying, Hey, I'm gonna get your grocery prices under control. Because this stinks. You have paved yourself a superhighway to getting sworn in. Now, sit back and watch in awe and amazement as absolutely nobody does this, by the way. Don't hold your breath. Gerard Gibbert. He keeps his classified
0: documents right where they belong. Inside a journey record jacket from the 1980s. Gerard Gibbert.
3: Welcome back. Super Talk Mississippi. The Element Wealth Studios hopping on this. What day even is this? I don't, I don't know. hump day. It's Floops Day. I don't know. I've lost track. I haven't looked at the calendar. We're going to assume it's Wednesday because Rhino said it's hump day and I trust him. Uh, Element Wealth Studio and the C Spire text line uh, in full gear, 601-879-4395. Kevin and Monticello says, and this is a great example of what I was talking about. Kamala Harris just said a couple of days ago that Biden was doing a good job of reducing the cost of living. I must be blind because I can't see it. It's exactly what I'm talking about. There is such a visible, huge, ridiculous disconnect between the people in Washington and those people sitting around the kitchen table trying to decide if they're going to have to split a Lunchable for lunch today that there, there's no connection there at all. And until you build that connection, well, you got a whole bunch of people that aren't even going to bother to vote. And I, I'm sorry... Turnout numbers over the past 10 years, we'll say, backs up what I'm saying there. We're not exactly blowing it out of the water in terms of getting everybody to the polls to vote. Nowhere close. We're just not. Why is that? Because a lot of people just don't care. You can make them care.
2: Well, I mean, occasionally you have groundswells. Like the last election, you had the groundswell of the 18 to 24 voters because Biden promised them student loan forgiveness. Yes. Now, uh, starting on Friday, student loans will
3: have to be repaid. Yes. And that's the problem because, and give credit where where it's due, even though that wasn't possible and you couldn't do it, especially the way he tried to do it, that was a move in that direction of impacting people's pocketbooks and explaining how, I'm going to make sure you've got more money in your pocket to live your life. That was the the impetus behind that. It was an empty promise, and now he's kind of burned that capital. Nobody's going to believe him the same way they did the first time, but... That was, oh, man, I cannot believe I'm about to say this. That was actually a smart move by him, by his administration, that whole promise. The problem is, and and this is an ongoing problem with the Democratic Party these days, it was a short-term plan. It was great in the short term, but they knew how it was going to wind up. They knew how that was going to end. They knew that they could not actually do away with it. Either that or they didn't know that, which is a whole different set of problems. So in the short term, it was great, but you have to make a promise and then deliver on it. That's where it gets tricky. So instead, we have all these other arguments about all these other issues, and we keep having them thrown in our face and rammed down our throats as something that we obviously are supposed to care more about than whether or not we can afford groceries. Think about that. It's a distraction because they either can't or don't want to fix the problem. So we're not going to talk about it. Or if we do, it's going to be in terms of glittering generalities about how wonderful things will be. Just just trust me. Ding! You know, and that's it.
2: Like the quote-unquote inflation reduction act oh. that only sent spending through the roof.
3: Yes. Yeah, well, it's a good general rule of thumb. When we get one of these named acts in Congress, it does the opposite of what the name says it's going to do. That, that's, that's kind of becoming... Par for the course. It's the way it works. (sighs) Charlie and Brandon, it's not a disconnect. It's just the Democrats wouldn't know how to tell the truth if their lives depended on it. Now, the problem is, uh, and and this is the problem, uh, another side of the problem, I guess, that I see is that we have become so partisan, and so divided, we have lost sight of all nuance in life, politics, and on planet Earth. You have heard us say this a million times. Rhino has used this phrase a million times. There's the good, the bad, and then the truth, which is always where? Right smack dab in the middle. Right in the middle. One extreme or another rarely turns out to be the actual facts of the matter. But we have currently arrived at a position in society where everything is all or nothing. Everything, the Democrats don't always lie. A lot of times, even when they're not telling the truth, they think they are. From their perspective. Have you ever heard that expression when it comes to movies and books and everything else? Uh, and this is true. The very best villains, the very best bad guys, they think they're the hero of the story. They believe that deep down. They're doing the right thing. They're doing what needs to be done. They're still the bad guy, but they don't think it. So we have lost that nuance, that ability to pick up on the fact that everything is not black or white, which makes it a lot harder to fight against it. It does. Which goes back to something you've heard me say a million times. Do you want to be right or do you want to win? Pick one. We're spending all of our time making sure everybody knows, well, we're right, they're wrong. Well, how about we just win? How about we get gas back down below $2 a gallon? How about we get the the cost of groceries back down to where it was just a year ago, much less two or three years ago? But no, we've got to make sure everybody knows we're right. We're focused on the wrong things, and that's not accidental. I don't know if you can tell, I'm a little worked up about this this morning. Never happens, I know, but a little worked up about it. Well, and exactly right from the 601, talking about the student loan forgiveness, it was smart politics. It allows Biden to say, I tried to help, but the Republicans and the conservative Supreme Court said no. Yeah, that was the worst case scenario for them. Which also tells you, the goal was never to make things better for people, it was all for political points. Well,
2: you could tell the goal was not to actually help people when they didn't do anything to reform the cause of the quote-unquote crisis.
3: Well, you could also tell that, uh, you know, it wasn't what it was presented as when the Biden administration started talking about it, because their mouths were moving, their lips were moving, so you could tell immediately, like the texter said, there was something else to it. That's not just on one side. It's really not. This, to me, is the biggest problem that we face. If we want, again, did this a couple of weeks ago, talked about this, we should have one singular goal. One thing that we are working towards, and everything we do should lead to Lord that one goal. What is it? A Republican with his hand on the Bible, January 20th, 2025. Not showing that we're right, not showing, not standing up for what we believe in. Do you want to win or do you want to be right? The way to win? Tell those folks sitting around the table in the Delta or in Oklahoma or, or anywhere that you're going to improve their life and tell them how. You'll have people show up to vote that haven't voted in 10 years if you can get them to believe it nobody's trying no no am i missing somebody that's trying to do that no i can't think of anyone everybody is screaming and arguing about the same things and the public is very quickly the voting public very quickly switching off because none of it matters to them They're trying to figure out how to work a third job into their day so that they can afford to, you know, do stupid stuff like buy their kids shoes. If that doesn't apply to you, good, great. Trust me, there's a lot of hardworking people out there trying to figure out how to make it. Those of us who are interested in politics and involved in politics and pay attention to this and, and it's kind of like a big game I've said on the air before it's an old Heinlein quote from a novel called Double Star uh, politics is the only game for grown-ups yeah we're already involved we're engaged we're, we know to make up our own mind who wins the election? the ones that aren't it's that simple to me, anyway.
1: <sighs>
3: That's an interesting one. We'll get to that later, but coming up after the break, ceasefire text line, something good from Gary and the Berg. We'll hit that later on. Up next, though, Congressman Michael Guest joins us. Busy week on Capitol Hill in the House. We'll talk to him about that. Meridian and the Air Force Base. More... When we come back in the Element Well Studios on middays, keep it here.
0: <laughs> hey, hey, Super Talk app: Praise that matter most to Mississippians. Gerard Gibbert. middays with Gerard, Super Talk Mississippi.
3: Welcome back to the Element Wealth Studios, Middays on Super Talk Mississippi, Dave Hughes here, and joining me now uh, in a very busy week, so we appreciate the time, Mississippi's 3rd District uh, Congressman Representative uh, Michael Guest. How you doing, Rep?
1: Well, I'm great, Dave. Appreciate you and uh, Rhino for uh, letting me come on for a few minutes today.
3: Oh, definitely. Well, we got a lot of stuff to talk about, and I want to get to the stuff that's in all the, the national news in a minute. First, let's focus on the big thing. Uh, you made a trip to Meridian. There's something really cool that could be happening in Meridian, right?
1: Yeah, you're exactly right. Uh, so uh, Monday, when I was uh, back in Mississippi, I uh, went to Meridian, uh, we met with, uh, uh many of our military uh, officials, community leaders, elected leaders. We were actually there at Keyfield on the air base there of the 186th uh, Air Refueling Wing. Uh, and what we were trying to do is make sure that we were uh, having dialogue. Uh, with those individuals about what the congressional delegation was doing to position Meridian to be home of the next tanker. So uh, the uh, 186 flies the KC-135. It's an air refueler, uh, but it is an aging platform. Uh, we got a chance to tour and uh, go on some of the planes there. Uh, one of the planes that we saw was actually manufactured in uh, 1959. So oh, wow. six-plus decades of service uh, to our military. Now, I will tell you that the men and women of the 186 do a great job of maintenance on that plane. Uh, a lot of the electronics, the engines have been replaced over the years, but an aging platform. Uh, the Air Force is about to roll out. Uh, to the National Guard, uh, there are, there are, these planes are already uh, being flown by active duty, but to the National Guard, uh, the next generation of tankers, the KC-46As, uh, and Meridian will be one of the bases that will be competing uh, to house that new platform. Uh, currently, there are 16 National Guard bases that fly the older KC-135. Uh, all 16 of those bases will be in consideration uh, for the 16 planes that will be rolling out, and two of those 16 bases will each get eight planes. and So, we want to make sure as a congressional delegation, uh, whether it be myself, uh, uh, Representative Kelly Yeezale Thompson, and our two uh, U.S. Senators uh, Cindy Hyde-Smith and Roger Wicker, uh, that we're working with the people at Meridian uh, to make us competitive. Because I think that Meridian is the proper home for that. You know, air refueling was pioneered there in Meridian at Keyfield. Uh, we have had that mission there for a number of years. Uh, and the criteria that we believe the Air Force is going to look at, uh, Meridian is going to rank in the top 5% of all the criteria uh, that is going to be considered. Uh, and so it's important that we keep that mission there uh, and that we bring these new refuelers to Meridian uh, so that that mission can continue for six more decades, well past the time in which uh, you and I are, are, are even still on this earth, but that we can keep that mission there indefinitely.
3: Well, one of the criteria uh, that, that I think gives Meridian an advantage to Air Force Base there is something you wouldn't normally think about uh, necessarily, but it's hangar size. We have the hangar size there to handle these planes, right?
1: We we do. Uh, You know, the the hangar uh, would have to be uh, expanded uh, 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 a small amount, but currently, you know, we have a a hangar there that two KC-135s can sit in the the hangar simultaneously. Uh, That's extremely rare. Many bases don't have hangar facilities at all. Uh, Those that do can probably only house one. Uh, Our hangar was built to house two the KC-46 is, is a little bit longer, so there would need to be uh, some minor renovations done uh, to extend that hangar just uh, uh, briefly a, a small amount, day. But, you know, that's something that, that makes us unique. Uh, you know, the other thing is, you know, we've seen a recent investment by our state legislature. Um, the governor, lieutenant governor the state legislature recently approved $20 million uh, to build a new uh, crash fire station there uh, at Keyfield. Uh, that's going to help make us, uh, extremely competitive. And look, it, it was great to see local leaders like the mayor, the board of supervisors. We had two state senators, two state representatives, uh, who were there. We had, uh, uh representatives from, uh, the Meridian Naval Air Station, from the Sonny Montgomery Foundation. Uh, There is a groundswell of community support for this project, and that's what we want to make sure uh, that we are communicating with the decision makers in the Air Force. That not only do we have the facilities uh, physical facilities that we already have the personnel, but we've got a community that is hungry for the forty sixes to come to meridian
3: and this will bring a big economic impact to the state and to the meridian area if we if we are designated one of these two locations right
1: it will um you know uh, in talking with uh, the colonel there uh, who is the commander of uh, that air base, uh, you know, she believes based on, uh, some of the briefings, uh, that there could be as many as a hundred plus additional personnel that would uh, accompany this new aircraft. And so that would be, uh, potentially a hundred new families, uh, moving into, uh, the Meridian, Lauderdale County, East Mississippi area. And so, uh, this will be able to bring, uh, additional families there. Um, and it will create that economic development. You know, when asked, uh, by some of the media, you know, what would it cost to be able to begin flying this mission here, uh, in Meridian? Uh, and the base commander said that, for as little as $5 million, we're prepared to take on these new planes and start flying this mission. And so if you look at a cost efficiency to the federal government, to the Air Force, Mississippi can perform this mission. We can receive these planes. And for just a very small fraction of what we spend here in D.C., uh, we can begin flying uh, this mission for the Air Force.
3: You know, I'm going to blame you for this because you mentioned spending money in D.C., which transitions us perfectly into the next topic. Are we? Uh, and I'm just going to ask you right out, right up front, in your opinion, is the government shutting down Saturday night?
1: Yes. uh, In my opinion, it will shut down. Uh, I think the question is not will there be a government shutdown, but the question that we should begin asking now is how long will that government shutdown last? Um, uh, You mentioned the fact that our our federal spending runs out midnight, uh, Saturday night. uh, As uh, we look at this new physical year starting October 1st, Uh, we do not have the spending bills passed out of the House and Senate to fund the government. Uh, and so, uh, we're in the process, at least on the House side, of working on those spending bills this week. Uh, on the floor this week, uh, we are, uh, debating and offering amendments to four spending bills, the defense bill, the homeland security bill, uh, the ag bill, and the state and foreign ops bill. Uh, we've already passed off the House floor, uh, veterans, uh, and mil- military construction, those two. Uh, were uh, looped together in a single spending bill. So uh, the hope is that uh, by the end of the weekend or when we get to the weekend, the House will have passed roughly half of the spending bills. Uh, at this point, I believe the Senate has passed none of their spending bills off the Senate floor. Uh, we were here till uh, voting last night until one o'clock. Um, vote times tonight, were scheduled to be here till at least midnight. So we're going to have several long days uh, in Washington, D.C. as we try to advance the spending bills. But even by advancing these bills, uh, there's going to be a need at some point uh, to pass some sort of uh, spending resolution uh, to keep the government operating until uh, these bills can be uh, go to conference with the Senate and we can come out with a, a, a final spending package. Um, there's been several plans that have kind of been battered around uh, the one that I think has gained the most support in the House, uh, would be a short-term, uh, government spending resolution, keeping the government open for 30 days. Uh, attached along with that, uh, would be, uh, spending cuts across the board, roughly of 8%. Uh, and I say roughly across the board because we're exempting military, veterans, and homeland, but all the other agencies would be cut uh, 8% or more, so the other nine areas of spending would be cut by 8%. Uh, and then we would also have language in there that would require the administration to secure the border. Um, and, and I don't know if you've been following, and I'm sure you have, Dave, I know Fox News just had live coverage from uh, Eagle Pass, Texas. Uh, we've seen that the border has once again exploded uh, with immigrants flowing across uh, as many now as 9,000 a day, uh, based on some recent numbers that came out from the administration, uh, not including the month of September, whose numbers aren't in. Uh, we've once again set a record number of immigrants who have illegally come into our country again this year. Uh, so if you look at the record of this administration Uh, You know, the last year, the Trump administration, uh, there were roughly 645,000 illegal immigrants that came in. uh, And Biden's three years in office, that number went from 650 to 1.9 million, jumped from 1.9 million to 2.7. And we're already at 2.8 with the September numbers not included. So, you know, you're looking at the fact that we're going to be very close to... Uh, that number, uh, going to be close to 3 million. And so this administration's not fixed the border. And so uh, if we're going to do some, pass some sort of spending bill, I think the number one priority of the Republican caucus is to put requirements in that spending bill that force this administration to finally address that problem.
3: We're up against a break. When we come back, we'll continue the discussion with Congressman Michael Guest on middays live in the Element Wealth Studios on a Wednesday morning. Keep it here.
0: Football's middays with Gerard. Good for America. Good for fans of justice and truth. Good for us. Super Talk, Mississippi. This is what we stand for.
3: Welcome back to the Element Wealth Studios Middays. Dave Hughes here and on the phone from Washington, D.C. you got to put the R in there if you're going to be Mississippi about it. Congressman Michael Guest. And we're talking about some really late nights and a long week for you and the rest of the folks in the House of Representatives, but there's something that you said. I, I know that House Speaker Kevin McCarthy is planning to introduce a uh, continuing resolution as you were talking about to give us a 30-day window to get some of this worked out. Uh, I think the question a lot of people has is, uh, why why do we wait to the last second to take care of these things? Why does it always seem to be a big rush right at the last minute? Why can't we work on this kind of thing earlier? I've heard that question from a lot of people. I'm just curious as to your thoughts on it.
1: Uh, You know, I I wish I had a good answer for that, Dave. I mean, uh, it seems to be uh, historically that we, as Congress, have a difficult time passing our spending bills on time. Uh, I know that uh, the uh, House Appropriations Committee, I serve on on that committee, that uh, we marked up at least 10 of our 12 spending bills very early, uh, giving plenty of time for those bills to be uh, debated amended and voted on the floor uh and uh, you know part of the part of the reason is uh twofold this time one is there was a delay in getting some of that process done as the debt ceiling was being negotiated between the speaker uh, and the white house so uh, that set some top-line numbers that we needed to have before we could begin that process and then you know we've also seen that we've had uh, a rough time uh, up until this week, uh, getting some of these bills on the floor. And uh, so we've finally been able to move this process along, uh, and I think it's important that we get these spending bills, which I spoke of earlier, uh, off the floor this weekend, voted on, uh, and then that we'd be back here next week continuing to um, uh, do the people's business. Uh, we did see uh, that uh, the Senate has uh, introduced Uh, Their continuing resolution, uh, that bill contains uh, no cuts. It's level funding. Uh, It's for, if I'm not mistaken, a 45-day window. Uh, It contains uh, additional funds in there for disaster relief uh, and Ukrainian uh, uh, spending. Uh, I tell you that that bill is a a no starter in the House. Uh, There is no way that uh, that bill uh, will hit the floor uh, it will not be considered by the House of Representatives based on everything that I've heard. Uh, and uh, I'll just tell you that that would not, I would not be voting to support what the Senate is attempting to jam the House with. Uh, Republicans were elected to do two things, cut spending and secure our border. Uh, and we're going to make sure that as Republicans that we honor that promise that we made to the American people when they elected us. And the way to do that is to use this appropriations process to force those changes. And that's what I think the Speaker uh, and the large majority of the Republicans are, are trying to do uh, as we try to find a way uh, to to accomplish those goals uh, and to buy some additional time as our spending bills work their way through the House and Senate and ultimately to conference where those differences will be worked out.
3: Well, there's a lot of middle ground between what the Senate thinks is a good deal and what the House thinks is a good deal. That, that's obvious to anybody that's paying attention to it. Uh, there is some talk. Do you think there are enough votes to get a continuing resolution passed through? That one that the Speaker is talking about, I think he said Friday. he might, uh, might be the day that he introduces that. D- do we have the votes to get that passed in the House?
1: Uh, we don't uh, at this time. Uh, you know, Republicans have a four-seat majority. Uh, there's at least five Republican members um, who have uh, openly said that they will not support any continuing resolution, regardless of what may be uh, contained uh, in that resolution. Uh, and so if all five of those uh, Republicans uh, hold true uh, to uh, their pledge not to support a continuing resolution in any shape, form, or fashion, uh then the resolution that the speaker is attempting uh to bring to the floor would fail uh, uh the fear is uh is that uh if we get into a protracted government shutdown uh that a small number of house republicans could sign off on what's known as a discharge petition uh and would require a, a bill to be brought to the floor and that you could have a bill passed by Democrats and eight to 10 Republicans, uh, which would reopen the government more in line with what we're seeing uh, the Senate um, asking for. Again, clean CR with no spending cuts to any agencies uh, and would probably also include in there uh, funding for the Ukraine. So, this is a, a very uh, tenuous moment. Uh, within the house republican caucus uh, as we're trying uh, to work together uh, but knowing that there are people uh, that one say that they'll never support crs and there's also others who are people who are elected as republicans but they are elected out of districts that president biden carried last presidential election that at least have indicated that they're willing to consider working with Democrats, uh, and to reopen government uh, with no strings attached.
3: Congressman Michael Guest, uh, try to take a few minutes here and just go grab a nap real quick in the office. Mm-hmm. You know, you're going to need it this week, I think.
1: Uh, well, the, co- the, coffee will be, the coffee will be flowing, no and, doubt about that.
3: And hopefully strong. Congressman Michael Guest, appreciate your time, appreciate the the job you're doing. Keep up the good work, okay? Thank you, buddy. Have a great day. You too. News from Fox and Super Talk, Mississippi News, up next. And then hour number two of Middays with Dr. John Mitchell. And now, the talk
0: that keeps Mississippi talking. That's what I like to listen to. You're listening to Middays with Gerard Gibbert. Here on Super Talk, Mississippi.
3: Super long Talk Mississippi summer. live in the Element Wealth Studios on a Wednesday morning. Otherwise known as what, Rhino? Hump Day? That would be correct. It is, of course, uh, a beautiful day outside as long as you weren't hoping for rain. But we'll talk about that later in the show. Right now, we are joined in studio uh, by the president of the Mississippi State Medical Association, Dr. John Mitchell joins us. as nothing medical to talk about going on right now, is there, Doc? Not at all, sir. Yeah, no, so I I guess we'll talk about, you know, Pokemon or something, but no, seriously, there is a lot going on, uh, and it is a big topic of discussion right now. How are you doing today?
4: I'm doing great. I'm uh, just so happy to be here. Thank you for having uh, State Medical here, and now it's my pleasure to
3: visit with you, uh, and, and, I'm, and the state of Mississippi. I, I want to start with a, a question. It's a big question. It's a question that you could probably do the entire rest of the show answering. Uh, what do you think the biggest challenges are for the medical community in Mississippi right now? What, what, what's first on the list that we need to address? Well, first off, healthcare care is
4: multifaceted. We have multiple problems. And as you said, what's the top of the heap? well i don't know if there's a top single entity but there's multiple top entities one of them is the crisis that we have in in uh, hospitals and that's not just in the rural hospitals It's in the major hospitals as well you know the governor had his announcement last week which was a great first step i think in addressing some of the immediate problems with uh, sustainability or uh, of the hospital situation but it's only a first step. it's a great first step but you know this this sustainability problem is gonna be ongoing and we're gonna have to have second, third and multiple steps.
3: No, I think you're exactly right and pull that microphone up if you would just a little bit for us there. Uh, just maybe a hair more. okay. We're being persnickety. To just to <laughs> deal with it. Uh, but I, I want to I make, no make sure that you that you heard properly. Uh, you call that a great first step, and it is. Uh, but the problems are not quite that easy to fix. We would love it if all it took was just throwing a bunch of money everywhere, but there's a little more to it than that, isn't there?
4: Oh, definitely. And, and you know, the hospital situation is only part of the health care care crisis i mean accessibility um, payment uh, reform um, there's just so many complex issues in health care to address that like i said this is just majorly a first step i mean we got to get them out of the crisis stage but then we've got to actually focus on long-term sustainability and that may take some you know reforming of the structure. You know, health care is such a vital part of the state's economy, uh, both locally. I mean, you know, it's usually the major uh, financial institution in some communities. So you can't get uh, factories there. You can't uh, maximize your education. Uh, I mean, it is a critical component both in, in our health
3: and wellness as well as our economic future. Well, and that's why it's so important to address it and to deal with it, because you use the word crisis, and that word sometimes gets thrown around and misused. It's not being misused in this instant. Uh, we, we have, uh, say, true or false, we have some hospitals that could close within a year or two if something doesn't happen. We
4: have some that could cru- close within a month or two if something doesn't happen. And yes, for sure, within a year or two, because they don't have the uh, reserves or resources
3: or the income coming in to replace those reserves. And that could mean because Mississippi is a rural state, uh, there is no such thing as a short trip in Mississippi. If you go into the grocery store for some folks, that that that's a 20, 30 minute drive one way. Uh, same thing for healthcare or hospital. You could take it from the nearest you know healthcare a hospital level healthcare for someone being twenty minutes away to being two hours away, and that could mean the difference between life or death, couldn't it? You're correct. And and that goes back to
4: our physician workforce as well. I mean, they need hospitals. Our patient needs hospitals. We need upper level care in those areas. In you know, travel, talk about distance. Some of them don't even have the vehicles to travel that distance. If they were able to do that, so. Transportation issues are huge. You know, we've talked about telemedicine and addressing that, but we have issues there in the sense of broadband. I mean, we can't carry it where there's not broadband. And so we have issues there that are being addressed, I think, with some of the ARPA funds, but we still have a long ways to go.
3: And uh, we have to keep talking about this. We have to keep pushing forward with it. Because like you said, uh, I believe you just said this a second ago, that we have some hospitals in a month or two could be shut down, could close if something doesn't happen.
4: That's my understanding based off of what I know about some of the Delta hospitals. You know, we're talking month to month, not next year or two years.
3: And uh, what can be done? To, to prevent that, if we've got a hospital that in two months' time will be closed unless something is done, what can be done in the next two months?
4: Well, we have some great minds in Mississippi. I think that some thinking out of the box, some innovation, uh, as you said when you opened the, the, the talk, uh, throwing more money at things are not always the answer. So we've got to get back to the table about how can we redefine the health care in those regions, how can we you know, address the immediate needs, the long-term needs, and, and look at it from a broader scope than just what the crisis or Band-Aid is today.
3: One topic that has come up uh, quite a bit around the country, and I just want to get your impression on it, Dr. John Mitchell, who is the president of the Mississippi State Medical Association, and you, you kind of... Obliquely touched on this with something you were saying a second ago. So again, I'm blaming you. It's your fault. I'm bringing this up. Uh, hospital billing. You know, if if anything else that we went and paid money for, did billing in the same way that the medical industry bills uh it it would be a riot before it was over with uh is, is there any way that that can be simplified and made a little clearer for people so they understand how this works
4: well first off i i've experienced it i've been a you know reception receiver of that particular um uh Frustration, I guess you would say. And uh, working with the hospitals across the state, as I have, uh, I see that the difficulty, some of it starts at the insurance company level. Some of it is in-house mechanics or electronics, um, checks and balances. I don't know if there's a single answer to uh, solving that issue because it's such a time-delay service evaluation, insurance acceptance or denial back and um, it's complicated and I don't think that any one of us has an answer but as I said earlier I think that there are minds in the state that can sit down at that table and we can look at ways to make that happen. It's just executing those plans is the issue.
3: Well and I think the key is always in all of these issues whether it be in the medical profession or any other profession that we have or organization or business that's having difficulties, uh, step one is to sit down and have those conversations and not just keep trying to kick it under the rug and pretend that the lump isn't there. Correct. And we, we don't have the best history in that department. Let's just be honest here. Well... Probably not. As I
4: said, you can tell by my gray hair, I've been at this a long time, and I've experienced it both at the clinic level as well as the hospital level, as as, as a consumer level. And uh, it is really frustrating. Um, But like I said, I think the complexity of it is if you go in and you buy some part at the part store, it goes on your bill, it goes out, there's no third party, no multiple parties to say, where is that appropriate? Did you use it? Did you not use it? Could you get it? And in healthcare, care, we always have all of these overseers to, to complicate the issue in the billing process. And I think as we work for more uniformity and insurance coverage, prior authorizations, ult- ultimately we've got to come to a point where we can streamline or know front end, is this going to be accepted or not, and now before we can get the bill out in a hurry.
3: Uh, there, there are some things, there are some uh, unique opportunities that healthcare provides. You know, perfect example uh, going back to the hospitals and the billing. Uh, I don't know of anywhere else where you can go and buy a hundred dollar Tylenol, uh, which is kind of a, a running joke that some people make, but the billing gets complicated. But at the end of the day, the hospital has to bare minimum bring in as much money as it's costing them to provide the service. Otherwise, we wind up in the situation you're talking about. uh, And we have to fix that. We're coming up on a break. Can you stick around? Yes, sir. I haven't run him off yet. I'm not sure how that happened. We've got Dr. John Mitchell, president of the Mississippi State Medical Association. We'll continue the conversation with him on Middays, live in the Element Wealth Studios, next.
0: The talk that keeps Mississippi talking. We're rolling. Hit it. Go. Play it. Midday's with Gerard Gibbert on Super Talk Mississippi.
3: Welcome back, Middays. Super Talk Mississippi live in the Element Wealth Studios. Dave Hughes here in studio with us. Dr. John Mitchell, the president of the Mississippi State Medical Association. We were talking before we came on the air. Uh, you, you picked a whale of a year to decide to go for this <laughs> office there, uh, Doc. Yeah, that was one of those in
4: retrospect, you know, last year would have been a much easier year for me.
3: <laughs> it would have been quieter, definitely, uh, because uh, while this problem is, you know, in, in the public eye and everybody's talking about it, uh, this problem didn't just happen in the last month or two. This has been no. building. This has been coming for a while, hasn't it?
4: Yes, and, and you know, I have to reflect a little bit on your previous um, um, Conversation with uh, Representative Guest in a sense. So, why do we wait to the end on any uh, of these type things? And I think in healthcare, and especially in Mississippi, we've kicked the can down the road for a number of times till we get to this point of crisis, and then now we have to immediately fix it when. I would wish that we could look forward to the future and have strategic plans, and we've done that somewhat with our workforce development and physicians in the sense that we have developed a, a very workable plan, and we're making some impact on uh, both distribution of primary care and increased physician workforce across the state. So health care is one of those that uh, we've seen some of this coming for a long time, but you know, I hate to go back to the year of COVID, but COVID personified and emphasized, I think, some of the disparities and other issues in health care and has had a lingering effect, I think, on the financial crisis as well.
3: Well, and I would think, and correct me if I'm wrong, I'm looking at it from the outside in, I would think also COVID and with the uh, the various federal dollars that were just spewing forth like a fire hose out of Washington probably kind of masked some of the problems a little bit and made it a little harder to see, I would think.
4: Yeah, they were very welcome at the time because that was another one of those financial crises. So, you know, you got to take the bad with the good. But the good side was it kept us going. But, yes, it did mask some of of the things. And, Plus, I think it's really now we're seeing it more in the workforce, in, in uh, cost of payroll and personnel and whatnot. That some of that is lingering over as well as I have private businesses and other things. You know, um, personnel costs are really exorbitant now in both in healthcare and in the private sector. So, uh, yeah, that's a leftover from the COVID era that was. It was necessary at the time, but at, at the time, now, how we we address it, it's a different issue.
3: And that's the thing that uh, I, I think gets lost in the shuffle sometimes, because we keep drilling down into individual areas, but you hit the nail on the head. Uh, the The current labor market situation is across the board. Yes. Because as I say, and I understand this, and I think a lot of people do, uh, over the last couple of years, if you haven't received a bump in pay, you got to pay cut because things cost so much more. Correct. So that is driving a lot of businesses to have to cut into their bottom line, and some businesses it's driving out of business, which is what we're trying to avoid with the hospitals. Correct. Uh, now, uh, Governor Reeves, in his announcement last week, there is a word in, in uh, actually, the headline of the press release that I want to focus on. The headline is, Governor Reeves announces sweeping Medicaid reimbursement reforms, generating an estimated $700 million uh, dollars for hospitals. Let's focus on that word estimated for a second, That just kind of sitting there like a, like a landmine a little bit, because $700 million, it could be more, it could be less. Yeah, projections are what they say
4: they are. Projections, estimates, guesstimates, whatever we have as far as the best available data we have today. But as we already know, things can change tomorrow, next year, whatnot. So we're looking toward this as projections. And I know that uh, individual units, hospitals, administrators are a little bit, uh, as the old saying "I hold my breath until it comes." So. They are anticipating, it, but they can't spend it till they get it. And so I think the projections are good. They've done the best they can. But time will tell us how good or bad those projections are.
3: Uh, and the other thing to remember about this is this is not just a one-time thing. This is going to be an ongoing increase in the amount of Medicaid money that the hospitals get, right? Correct,
4: because Mississippi is uh, advantaged
3: because they're disadvantaged in the
4: sense of their federal ratio, Um, and I don't see that changing dramatically. Although it could, so as long as we can, you know, spend twenty-three cents, I think it is, we get seventy-seven. So for every dollar, it's seventy-seven sense of that is federal money that's not going to change so you know as we go forward this is a sustainable process as long as the feds keep their in. but we've talked about the feds and potential of uh, september 30th and spending bills and whatnot so that's an unpredictability too so all this is projected off of known facts today as they are today
3: And the one thing, when you come out with something like this and you make an announcement like this, an estimated several uh, 700 million, that is not the best possible case scenario, and it's not the worst possible case scenario. They try to put it somewhere in the middle to be realistic, but it could be more, could be a lot less, uh, which is why, as you said, you can't really plan your budget around it because you're not a 100% sure what you're going to get. Great. And
4: you made an assumption, and we live off of assumptions, that they hit the middle. I don't know that they hit the middle. I don't know if this is the upper limit of their projections or if it's the middle of their projections. You know, If, if you ask me how many people attended church I need my upper limit, uh, I estimate high as opposed to low. I, again, I don't know off the hand whether or not these projections are middle ground or upper um, if I were making – Headlines. I, I think I would choose the upper limit. But um, at any rate, any administrator is going to take time to assemble the data and put together uh, what their best their best guess is, as opposed to what
3: the pie in the sky is. We're three months away, a little over three months away from the legislature being back in session. Uh, If you found that genie lamp and got to rub it and got to wish and get one thing through the state legislature this year to help the medical system in Mississippi, what would it be?
4: Hmm. Now, you're getting back to more of a personal uh, question now, and this is from John Mitchell, not necessarily MSMA. I don't know that we have our number one defined yet, so I'm not speaking for the organization as much. But I'd like to see, as I think is across the state, And if we polled our membership, um, increase our access to care. Call it what you want, make it any way you want to, use what are tools that are possible. But I think that we have a class of working class individuals that are working their tails off but still can't make ends meet. And healthcare is important to them as it is to any of the others, and they're caught in between. They're not in poverty, so to speak. They're not uh, in companies that can afford the health care supplements or payments and whatnot. That working class individual would be what I would like to see addressed.
3: And this goes back to something that Rhino and I were talking about at the beginning of the show uh... it was the old james carville quote from when uh... he was running bill clinton's campaign "It's the economy stupid we need to focus on what's being talked about and worried about around the kitchen tables and the delta and oklahoma and kansas and everywhere else that's what needs to be focused on is that a is that a fair statement yes fair statement uh... but we'll have to wait and see how things play out because there's a lot of factors that are involved in this
4: uh, as we already said gee. We know we're going to have a new Speaker of the House. We can presume who that's going to be, but we don't know that for a fact. We saw that play out at, at the national level. But we, we have good presumptions, and they've already you know admitted in, that we're going to have these discussions, and the Senate's the same way. So I think that, again <laughs> – I think the opportunities are there. As I said, the the road is going to be bumpy, and and, uh, maybe I should have chosen a different year, but at the same time, it's a great opportunity, and I think that uh, we'll have some great discussions, and I will commend that MSMA would be happy to be at that table to discuss that uh, options for the future.
3: Well, let me just say this. Uh, If you were excited that you had to deal with this mess... I'm not sure I would want you in that seat, Doc. I I wouldn't say I was excited. Uh, Yeah, that's that's what I'm saying. There's only
4: two ways that you can address uh, issues. You look at them as either difficulties, obstacles, or opportunities. Um, If we just say they're opportunities and move on, let's. Let's leave it at that.
3: And then if we have to, put our fingers in our ears and hum real loudly so we don't hear anything else. Sometimes that's what it takes to get things done, guys. Dr. John Mitchell... President of the Mississippi Medical Association. Uh, enjoyed having you in here, man. Great. Look and forward to the year. Uh, I may come back. Uh, yeah, but come on <laughs> back anytime time. <laughs> we, we'll, uh, if nothing else, give you a place to hide for a few minutes. You know, that might come invaluable later this year. Don't discount it. We continue on Middays in the Element Well Studios next.
0: Okay, is everybody ready? I'm ready. Ready, ready here. Middays with Gerard Gibbons.
3: Dr. John Mitchell enjoyed that good conversation about a very important topic because I want you to think about this right now. I'm pretty sure everybody has a friend or family member that has had to make use of a hospital or a hospital system somewhere in the state sometime in their life. I want you to imagine tomorrow it's no longer there what would you do that's the problem that is there and that's why governor reeves made that announcement last week trying to do something to move in the right direction Uh, doesn't solve the problem helps alleviate it though a little bit and this conversation isn't over i I hope you think uh, we're done now no it's just getting started um there are a lot of conversations that are just getting started I mentioned this earlier, very briefly, in the midst of of talking about something else. Uh, the for the second time, Tennessee had happened first. Now Texas, they had a law that they passed that was to go into effect September first, banning drag shows. Uh, For the second time now, just like happened in Tennessee, that has been shot down by a federal judge as unconstitutional. It's a violation of First Amendment rights. Do you ever get the feeling that we are fighting over things? We're we're fighting battles we're not going to win, and everybody knows we're not going to win it. We just fight it because we're going to fight it. This goes back to what I have said before, said at last hour. We need to focus on the result we want, not how the process should go, but how we get what we want. Ethically, fairly, I'm not saying do crazy stuff. We have to have a goal in sight. So what was accomplished with that? And, and this has nothing to do with how you feel about the subject at hand. It could be about poodle ownership. It could be about Nerf balls. I don't care what it's about. What's the end goal? Because you're not going to get it through the courts. Kind of knew that from the word go. And now it's proving to be exactly that way. So what's the end goal? And how are we going to achieve it? That's what we have to work on. That's what we have to figure out. Same thing with the violence. Did you hear about what happened in Philadelphia last night, Rhino?
2: Vaguely. I saw bits and pieces.
3: I wasn't really tuned into it. Um, I'm torn between describing it as stupidity and insanity. You, you can pick one. You had a large group of Utes that basically ran wild in philadelphia last night 20 of them arrested last count i saw uh but they basically just just looted stores left and right there was an apple store there there was a lululemon store is that what it's called i, I never have been 100 percent straight is it lululemon is it lululemon which i, I think, think it's is lululemon something like that i thought that was the music festival I don't, I don't know. This is outside of my wheelhouse. Never owned a pair of leggings in my life, so I have no experience on this. Nor shall I. Please, while I enjoyed the Photoshop of me in the cockpit of the Hurricane Hunter aircraft, let's not go down the Photoshop road on this topic. We're all happier that way. Uh, but... We have this. It's going on everywhere. This, this is not a limited thing. Just had the announcement yesterday by Target that they're closing nine of their locations, one in Harlem, three in San Francisco, a couple in Portland, one in Seattle, uh, because of, and this is the stated reason in their press release why they're closing those locations, because of uh, unsustainable levels of theft and organized retail crime. That's when you have a group of people just all come in the door at the same time. They've plotted it. They've planned it out. It's a conspiracy to rob the store blind. I've seen some video of that uh, yesterday in Philadelphia. They've got enormous, like, you know, 80-inch TVs in the box. One guy on each end sliding it out the door. This wasn't going in and, you know, sticking a Snickers in their pocket. Although I'm sure they probably grabbed some candy bars on the way out, too, for energy. Why not? just robbing them blind. And then, when the stores go, well, we can't stay here, this is ridiculous, and they close that location, then the howling starts about how they deserve the ability to be able to do their shopping, and it's serving an underserved community, and a disadvantaged community, and you can't take that away from them. Are you stupid? Are 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 you are you literally that dumb? You can't be in the business of giving away everything. That's why prices went up. You can't just give it away. You can't sell it for less than it cost you to get it, much less pay to get it and then give it away, and then you make sure you stay here and get some more, because we'll be back. There are there's a growing segment of the population that thinks that's the way things are supposed to operate. And I would argue, I keep seeing the word being thrown around, Rhino. I would argue that's not a socialist mindset. It's a few steps past that. Socialist mindset is one thing. This, This is just toddler psychology. I want it. I want it now. And now I want it again, and I want more, and you better not take it away, or I'll scream and cry. That's
2: what happens when you have half the voting block of, of America championing, cheerleading, and enabling the stupidity of the worst of us.
3: Yes. Stephen Turner, AOC, says looters just want bread. They had an interview with somebody in Philadelphia, and literally, while the TV station, this is part of the problem, while the TV station, has their camera crew out, and they're interviewing this woman in front of one of the stores that's being looted in the background. While you're talking to her as a reporter with the camera on, you see people leaving the store toting stolen items out in the background. And she says, well, you just have to understand, people got to eat. If you're eating TVs, there's no help left for you. Oh, well, Dave, they're taking those TVs and they're, they're selling them. And then they're using that money to buy the essentials of life. You know, like crack. Uh, this is a problem. This is a huge problem. And until we do a massive crackdown and make the punishment worse than whatever benefits you get from committing the crime, it's not going to stop but well, that
2: requires a working brain and using it in reality not in make-believe land.
3: Yeah, well, that's where most people are living right now. And as I have said many times, this this applies to all sides, all people. There is in my view a core group of people that is completely agnostic in terms of classifying them by one set of political beliefs or another. There are good people on both sides that are just fed up with this. They want to do their work, go home, take their money that they earned and live the best life they can live and mind their own business. That's it. That's what they want. That group, I still say this, is going to be a big factor in deciding the next election next year. They will. There is a large segment of the population that is looking at this as exactly what it is. A crime spree, robbery, stealing, thug behavior. I get in trouble sometimes for using that word thug, Rhino. Apparently, did you know that's a very bad thing to say? (laughs) No, I've been chastised for that. I have been, I've been—I've had people look me in the eye and tell me I cannot believe you would use a term like thug, talking about those thugs. I just saw two dudes toting an 80-inch TV out of a Target that they went into and stole it from with everyone watching in broad daylight. What do you want me to call them? Crossing guards? I mean, I, I, I don't know another term for them. They're thugs. Thug, by the way, ironically enough, in the middle of this discussion, is gender-neutral. You can have female thugs. You can have male thugs. It's more of a state of mind, really, than an identifier, and we got too much of it. So now they've arrested 20 of those people. I guarantee you at least 10 of them are already back out. So you watch. You'll see more store closures... We've already seen quite a few. You're going to see more. Stick around.
0: It's so awesome.
3: Middays with Gerard Gibbert. Mm. Come
0: on. Let's get on with the show. Yay. On Super Talk Mississippi.
1: Folks call me
3: maverick. Yes, I ain't too diplomatic. I just never been the kind of going along. Oh, look, it's my theme song.
1: For the sake of the confirmation. Today it now, is. To Welcome
3: back. Middays, live Sometimes in the Element we'll Wealth right Studios. Dave Hughes here, Rhino in the Booth. Great text on the C text line from Ed in the Delta. Said all of that is the television maker's fault. They should build them like they used to when a 27-inch set weighed 80 pounds. Problem solved. Yeah, it took three of you to move that big console TV in the living room to slide it out from the wall because a tube had gone out. And then some guy came over and bent over and you saw the top of, you know, areas you didn't want to see while he was replacing the tube. I remember those days. Well, uh, yeah, you, you if you could, uh, and I've said this before, if you could pick up one of those old TVs and run with it, you can have it. You've earned it at that point.
2: Which, that's the irony of the thugs that were stealing from the Apple store. They were stealing display models. Yes. Little PSA for any enterprising thugs that might be listening. If you steal the display models from an Apple store, they're only going to work until the battery runs out. They likely won't even take a new charge, and they will be turned off as soon as Apple figures out which
3: ones you got which they have a list of, they can shut them right down, and you basically you took a very expensive piece of metal and plastic and, and glass, and that's it. But there, there's not a lot of IQ being put into this whole thought process. Gonna get me something. Uh,
2: there's a little more than some people are giving credit to. There are organizations, some might call them gangs, that oh, now, are see, calculating. That's
3: almost, that's almost as bad as thugs. Oh, Don't yeah. be using a gang word. We're it, using
2: all these whistles.
3: It's a focused, concerned group. <laughs> <laughs> but they—they've actually
2: done headcounts and calculated how much they were able to steal and get away scot-free. Well, Usually, those are the groups that hit up the uh, the Louis Vuittons and the Gucci stores and places like that. But
3: if you're that organized, maybe the law has failed. I would, I would, uh, if I were editing that sentence, I would cross out the word maybe. Whether it be the fault of law enforcement, which in a lot of cases, in a lot of these cities, especially Seattle and Portland and San Francisco and all of those. Law enforcement's hands have been tied. They've been told, don't you dare try to arrest them. So, of course, they're going crazy. There's no sheriff in town, and they know it. They made this public, so nothing. they know nothing's going to happen. The places where that's not the case, oh, go get them. And again, Philadelphia, they arrested 20, but that's the other side of the coin. Philadelphia, law enforcement did their job. They got the call. They showed up. They started cuffing and stuffing them as fast as they could. How long will it be before they're back out on the street, and how severe will the slap on the wrist be is the other side of this equation, because if they get out on bail and then they wind up with probation and a $100 fine for the $10,000 worth of, worth of merchandise they stole, oh, they're going to hit another store on the way home from the jail. They've learned nothing. So there are multiple problems that have to be worked out there. By the way, and I meant to add a different subject here quickly because we're about to go to news from uh, Fox News and Supertalk Mississippi News. Wanted to give Congressman Michael Guest a piece of advice, and we ran out of time because we were talking about important things. Wanted to make sure if he is over around the White House to not try to pet Biden's dog. It's going to end badly. He uh, commander has bitten another Secret Service agent. That's 11. That's 11 recorded instances that CNN has verified through Secret Service emails. Okay, number one, it's CNN verifying this. Number two, they've got it written out from the reports, 11. Why is that number significant? Well, aside from the fact that it's 11 times the president's dog has bit somebody, Commander's only two. So he's averaging every month and a half to two months, he chomps down on a Secret Service agent. The communications director for the First Lady, Elizabeth Alexander, issued a statement that said, quote, the First Family continues to work on ways to help Commander handle the often unpredictable nature of the White House grounds, end quote. You know, I'm thinking back to uh, when Bush was in office. I want you to try to get a mental image of, of Millie mauling a Secret Service agent why is this news because it doesn't happen you have access literally to the best possible animal trainers on planet earth and you can't get this under control or you don't care which is kind of indicative of your approach to every other problem that we have if you think about it it's consistency if nothing else News from Fox, Super Talk, Mississippi News, and then the final hour of middays in the Element Well studios. Keep it here.
0: Welcome to the show that challenges you to think, to think deeply and look beyond political posturing. You're listening to Middays with Gerard Gibbert. Here on Super Talk, Mississippi.
3: Welcome back, Super Talk, Mississippi. Welcome back, Middays, live in the Element Wealth Studios. Text line talking about Commander. Aaron and Meridian, if that happened out in public, the dog would already be put down. Depends. A lot of times, just the simple behavioral training can do a world of good, but it's obviously Commander is an aggressive dog. I, I don't think anybody can argue with that assessment. He's bitten 11 armed Secret Service agents in two years. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he's aggressive. Well, it's very scary. Again, Millie never mauled anybody. I don't recall checkers nipping at anyone's ankles. So, yeah. I mean, Socks the cat, I'm sure, committed murder, but it's a cat. You would expect that kind of comes with the package, you know. Uh, Brian and Madison, don't let Commander out when the ATF is around. (laughs) That's a whole different situation report you're going to have to write up then. You're exactly right. (sighs) Somebody else said, uh, Joe can't control his son. How is he going to control the dog? You know, there comes a point, though. Let me just say this, and and you take it out into a slightly different situation, and you know Biden's not involved. Biden's involved in this, by the way. It's becoming more and more obvious as the story and the denials continue to change as more things come out. And of course, I'm talking about uh, Hunter's dealings with Ukraine and China and every place else. Yeah, of course, Biden was involved, President Biden. It's kind of obvious. When you start looking at everything. Uh, but there comes a point, and we've got to get out of this mindset, I think. At what age do you reach where it's no longer your parents' responsibility what you do? Except that you didn't raise them right. 30, 40, 50, 90, what, what, what's the cutoff? There's got to be a cutoff, Right. At some point, you have to take responsibility for your own actions. Uh, that's the only part of this I would disagree with. Aside from that, yeah. He, he can't get Hunter to knock off doing stupid stuff. The dog's a lost cause. It's a non-starter. <laughs> from the 662, Joe doesn't even know he has a dog. That depends on if they've told him. That's part of the package. You know, you, 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 you're in the White House, you got to have you know a pet. You think about it; most of them do. It's very been very infrequent, if ever, that we've had a president that didn't have some kind of pet in modern times, in the White House.
2: <sighs> yeah, three of them didn't. Yeah, James Polk, Andrew Johnson, and Donald Trump.
3: That's it. Everybody else has had some kind of pet because that's part of the political package. It's, it's the elected official starter kit for the White House. You have to have a spouse, you've got to have a home church, and you have to have a pet.
2: And you're never going to break Teddy Roosevelt's record. How? Estimated number of pets owned, 298 different animals. Really? Really? While he was president, he owned 48 different animals.
3: Now, to be fair, as Teddy Roosevelt, how many of them were taxidermied? We're talking about Teddy Roosevelt here.
2: According to this one, he has, uh, or he had, excuse me, a black bear, a badger, a hyena, and a three-legged rooster at one point in time.
3: Darren and Jackson, my Chihuahua Toto, great name, by the way, for a Chihuahua. My Chihuahua Toto thinks he's a Rottweiler whenever the UPS guy comes around. Well, I'll give you a secret because we've got got a Chihuahua experience at the Hughes house. Uh, They are very much in charge of the universe, and if you don't believe it, just ask them. I'm pretty sure our oldest Chihuahua, Nixie, is probably running some sort of criminal enterprise when we're not looking i would be shocked if she wasn't she's in charge illegal taco shop there's something happening there i don't know what it is but something's going on sam from mount herman does biden pardon commander every time he assaults a service? remember well i guess i don't know Mike in Simpson County says, I've never bitten anyone, you lying dog-faced pony soldier.
2: Now I need somebody with access to AI to do me a favor. (laughs) Was it lethal weapon where the, the bad guy had diplomatic immunity? Yeah, I think so. We need Commander's face on his body.
3: Saying that. He's got diplomatic immunity. Commander, by the way, is the best possible possible argument I can come up for, for why we need, say, oh, I don't know, the president of China to visit the White House. The possibilities are endless. Somebody accidentally drops his leash and goes, Oops, oh well, that's a shame. No, stop, don't, get off him, screaming in the background. Uh, It'll never happen, but I would still watch that TV show. The other big news that broke yesterday, what do you know? You were off, so you were unplugged, Uh, but you've probably seen something about this with uh, the civil case going on against President Trump and the ruling yesterday from the judge. The appraisal? Yes, the appraisal, but then his ruling. Yeah, because the
2: judge didn't make the appraisal. It's just Trump's team didn't make a good enough argument to refute what the state presented as evidence.
3: Yeah. Yeah, basically they, they, they failed at making their case, is what happened. So now we have an order from the judge, uh, Arthur Ngoron. Goran. <laughs> He canceled the Trump Organization's business certificates in New York, their LLCs, uh, after he ruled that Trump and his co-defendants engaged in persistent, massive fraud by inflating inflating the value of his assets, Uh, and then... Uh, that 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 action alone, by the way, because the Trump Organization is, for all intents and practical purposes, a New York business. If you dissolve it, which that's what the Georgia, judge's order is doing, uh, to the point to where it goes on and it explains uh, that the Trump people, their team, has 10 days to suggest a couple of people that can be brought in as court appointed overseers for the dissolution of the Trump organization. He basically just dissolved Trump's companies, wiped them out. They say they're going to appeal, and I'm sure they are, obviously, because that's a pretty significant blow that you're taking, because at that point you're taking the whole business away from him, making it go away. So, of course, they're going to appeal it. You got to. And they could possibly get somewhere. But the problem is, if they're going to get somewhere with the appeal, they're going to have to do a better job than they did in the original motions in the hearing to begin with because they failed there. If they hadn't failed, they failed to such a massive extent that in his ruling, the judge said that the Trump Team, the legal team, was living in a fantasy world. He put that in writing and broke down the deficiencies of their argument, laid out exactly why he was making this ruling. So they're going to have to step their game up and do a much better job with the appeals argument than they did with the argument here. And the best part about this entire story is this trial that this ruling was issued in, it doesn't start until Monday. Monday is a scheduled start. This is a pre-trial ruling by the judge based on discovery and the evidence as it was presented and to establish some of the facts that are going to be argued in the trial. The judge said the trial is still required to decide six remaining causes of action and the scope Of the penalty in addition to having his company dissolved uh, they could bar Trump from making real estate acquisitions or applying for loans in New York this is not insignificant but they're gonna have to do a much better job arguing the appeal than they did arguing this That's where we're at. It's just a simple fact of life, but it does kind of lead us in a direction of a a slightly different conversation I want to have. We'll do that when we come back in the Element Wealth Studios on Middays next.
0: Check it out. Let's do it. The talk that keeps Mississippi talking. Middays with Gerard Gibbert. Let's get on with it. On Super Talk Mississippi.
3: I'm tempted to just be quiet until this is over. It's Jim Croce for crying out loud. Welcome back. Middays, the Element Wealth Studio. We have crammed a lot of things in here already, and we still got a little while left to go, you and I. Got a question on the C Spire text line that really plays into the point I wanted to transition to. We are dealing with false dichotomies in politics right now. That's a fancy way of saying choose between A or A. You, well, one of the A's is wearing a B costume. And the other one's dog is currently biting your leg. Got a got a text says that judge wouldn't happen to be a Democrat, would he? Yeah, he is. Now, my follow-up question is. And The legal system is full of Democratic and Republican officials. How did you think it was going to go? This, again, is a great example of focusing on the process, not the results. And you know what? It doesn't matter how hard you argue and how loudly you scream about people cheating if they wind up winning and you lose your company anyway. That's the point that we keep missing here. That's the point I made a few weeks ago, Rhino, if you remember when we were talking about the upcoming election. And I said our goal should be, said this earlier today, to have a Republican with their hand on the Bible on January 20th, 2025. Getting sworn in. That's the goal. Period. End of discussion. We need to find the best way to make that happen. That should be the goal. A lot of days and a lot of conversations, That's not, that doesn't come across as the goal. That doesn't come across as the focus. So, I kind of like an idea, and you joked about it during the break. This is what brought it up. Uh, Richard Pryor used to say this. Uh, And now somebody else surprising has... I don't know if you were able to find that, Rhino. I gave Rhino a hard homework assignment.
2: I couldn't find the, the video of it, but I do have the exact quote.
3: Okay, that's close enough. Jesse the Body Ventura, former governor of Minnesota, had an idea, had a suggestion on how to modify our election processes to make it easier to focus on the right things, in his opinion. Now, it's, again, Jesse, the body Ventura. It's hard to really wrap your head around the fact that sometimes he does make sense. But I think there is some sense in what he said this time. What is the quote, Rhino?
2: Quote, I have an idea about voting. How about on every ballot we include none of the above? People may laugh at that, but what that is, it is a vote of no confidence in your government. And I'm willing to bet that in some elections... None of the above would win. Imagine if you won the election but lost to none of the above. Wouldn't
3: that make you rethink your position? Yes. Well, you would think so. You would hope so. But you've got to realize we have people getting elected, uh, getting 51% of the 25% of the people that actually wound up going to vote and thinking it's a mandate. I mean, that's common now, right? So it might not work out quite as well as you think. Another part of his suggestion was we eliminate the party identifiers on the ballots. No D or R for you to go by to vote forces you to do a couple of things. Number one, forces you to learn who the candidates are. Possibly encourages you to find out what each one stands for and become an informed Voter Which should always be the point, so yeah, I, th- I think there's some validity to that right now we're in a situation it's it looks like for now the presumptive two nominees are going to be Biden and Trump again. all of the polling data that you look at, going back to what the body said there oh uh, None of the above is winning on both sides. The, the, the exact way that I've seen it phrased on the Democratic poll is they, they list Joe Biden, they list a couple other people, Gavin Newsom is on there as a potential thing, and then they gave them the choice to instead choose somebody else. Don't care who, doesn't matter who, just somebody else. Uh, and that, that choice won. On the Democratic side, we have similar results on the Republican side. We are at a strange point in the political history of this country, the way I look at it. And check me on this, Rhino. Uh, We are at a point to where we, we don't know what we want, but we want it now. It's kind of like when you have that discussion with your significant other. Are you hungry? Yeah, I'm starving. What do you want to eat? I don't know. What do you want to eat? You want to go here? Oh, no, I'm tired of that. You want to go here? No, I don't like that. Well, what about over here? We've never tried that place. Well, yeah, but we've never tried it. We don't know if it would be good or not. Well, then what What do you want to eat? Well, I don't know. But I'm starving. i got to get something. That's the political discussion going on amongst the voters right now in America. And unless you, you actually pull the trigger and make a decision, we're, we're going to starve to death completely continuing to stretch that metaphor all the way out of shape, but you get the point.
2: Well, to take it even one step further, which candidate on the debate stage tonight will be the person that has the genius idea of starting a restaurant named Restaurant Near Me? Yes.
3: Be number one in all of the All of the lists. (sighs) Yes, exactly right. C-Spire text line, Brian and Madison. The prior quote from Brewster's Millions. Vote for none of the above. Yeah. Which also shows you, by the way, this isn't new, this concept. They were joking about it in the 80s. So we're at a weird inflection point politically
2: to say the least. I mean, you got people that are against giving money to Ukraine digging up World War 1 cartoons and they're
3: still prescient. Yes. That that's the really funny part here is everyone thinks that we have unique challenges never before never before in the history of America have we lived through a time like this. Horse hockey when you can go back and you can read passages from a 100 years ago that are mentioning the same exact issues we're facing right now, none of it is unique. We can't even find any uniqueness in the fact that nobody realizes it's just the same thing coming around again, because that's the way it works. It's the way it's always worked. Sam and Mount Herman, Dave, the trouble with your idea about learning the candidates is that a lot of people will not do that, but rely on someone else telling them who to vote for. You think it's not that way now? I mean, you're right. But they have done research. They have done studies. And more than 50% of the people that go to vote, vote for the last name they saw. That's why you see a forest of signs just outside the campaign limit around polling places. The last name that registers with them. They saw it. They heard it. Somebody mentioned it. The last name that hit them. That's who they vote for. Why? Because it's the freshest on their minds. That happens now. So you're you're most definitely not wrong, but that would be no change. Really? Because we have fooled ourselves into believing that the vast majority of the population is more intelligent and informed than they actually in fact are. Oh, did I just generate the angry emails and texts there? I know that's coming and I don't care because it's a fact. From the 662, we weren't facing a $33 trillion deficit 100 years ago. True, we were facing people starving to death because nobody had a job because of the Great Depression. We're only about six years short of that being 100 years ago. It's challenges every time. Every time it pops up. You're not wrong, but it's... Second verse, same as the first. The quicker we realize that, the quicker we can work our way through it. Unfortunately, the last time we worked our way through it with the World War. But we're not going to have that discussion today because there's only so much even I can take. Mississippi. Is
0: everybody ready? I'm ready. Ready here. Middays with Gerard Gibbett. On Super Talk Mississippi.
3: for the state of the studio address here in the Elemobile Studios. Uh, We need a guard on the wheel on the chair because I rolled my headphone cord up into it when I was trying to scoot my chair forward. Because obviously that couldn't possibly be my fault. Not in today's America. So we need some protections in place. That has been the state of the studio report. Aside from that, things are great. It's my only complaint. And I still refuse to take the blame for it. You know what I think would be a great way to solve the Commander problem, by the way? I've been thinking about it since we talked about that a little while ago. What's that? Uh, You take Jill and strap a pork chop to her pants leg. Oh, that'll get sorted out real quick then. That'll get sorted out in a heartbeat. Or the President, but really probably the best possible option. A pork chop strapped to each leg of Hunter Biden in the Rose Garden with Commander. You could charge pay-per-view. It'd put a dent in the deficit. That's what I was about to say. We can we could do fundraising. I mean, we're quickly reaching the point where it's either that or we're going to have a White House bake sale. By the way, just pro tip, don't eat anything you buy at the White House bake sale. It's not going to end well. <sighs> Sam from Mount Hermon again. Dave, people forgot that voting is a privilege and take it for granted in this country, uh, where in other countries they take it more seriously. Yes. Yes, in conversation, voting has gone from being a privilege and a right to a requirement. And I'm sorry, you go all the way back to the Boston Tea Party. The quickest way to get Americans to not do something is to tell them they better do it. Right or wrong? That's literally the Boston Tea Party. The king said, uh, we're going to tax that tea. And they said, oh, you think? Well, there it is, bobbing in the bay. Go tax it, big boy. This country was founded on the basic principle of, you ain't going to tell me what to do. And I, I think Sam may may have a thread of an idea here, Rhino, because, yeah, you want Americans to not do something, tell them they have to. Watch what happens. Our, our country's history is littered with examples that prove that. That's what made this country great to begin with, is because we looked everybody on planet Earth, no matter how big they were, square in the eyes and said, Make me. And then they couldn't. So why would it be surprising? You you have to go vote.
2: I got a crazy idea that would incentivize voting.
3: Does it involve commander? I hope because I'm now on this thing big time. No. Okay.
2: Sadly no. But if you can't make election day a national holiday, so the vast majority of people have the day off to go vote, make it a sales tax holiday, but instead of having the I voted sticker, Also adopt what some have in developing countries where you use indelible ink to mark a finger Some countries have you use that finger with the ink to then mark your ballot to prove that it's yours Others they just put a mark or a line or make you dip your finger in ink and it stays on there for a couple days But you're not getting the sales tax benefits unless you've got an inky finger (laughs)
3: <laughs> the, the The old five inky finger discount. They, look, they're wasted now at that at that point, of course, well, you're buying the votes. Oh, you sweet summer child, It's happening now. It's been happening for quite a while. I have anecdotal and non anecdotal stories I could tell about handed out twenties in exchange for I voted stickers. You can take that to mean whatever you would like, but there's only one correct answer if you're trying to figure out what I'm talking about. Yes, it's already going on, so why not use that? Yeah. But this is the way we fix things, not by being rock-solid certain that there is exactly one and only one way for things to go. We have to be open to even crazy ideas, ridiculous ideas, things that make no sense, drag them out, throw them on the table, point and laugh at them and tear them to shreds and then move on to the next one. But eventually something will come about that will be workable and will actually help things. I mean, just think
2: about it. Extrapolate a little bit on my idea in a capitalistic society. How many people are going to go buy a new car? They're going to wait till election day to buy a new car if you have a sales tax holiday. Or Buy that new TV. Buy a PlayStation. Make a big purchase to where it's not just Black Friday people are looking forward to in the month of November.
3: You, you wind up with a Black Friday as the store's opening scenario at the polling place. And then you get... Inky ins- Tuesday and Black Friday. You could have two days in a month. <laughs> then, just to make sure... You know, uh, that that we have the nostalgia for the whole Black Friday and remember it. Somewhere inside the polling place, there is hidden one Furby. And you have to get in there and find it and cast your ballot. I did that during the Furby craze. One of the kids really wanted a Furby. So we mobilized the family. It was me and my wife and my mom and my dad and my brother, and we're all standing outside Walmart freezing our keisters off at like 3 in the morning because they're going to open at a stupid time on that Black Friday. We were there to try to, one of us, get a hold of a Furby. They throw open the door. Everybody's asking for about it. They have somebody standing inside the door announcing to everyone, repeating it over and over, that that location is, got six Furbies total. And to avoid any kind of riot or shoving or fighting match, before they opened the store, they had taken those six Furbies and hidden them around the store. If you found one, you got to buy. So it turned into the biggest scavenger hunt in history by a lot of stressed, angry parents. It went exactly like you're picturing it would have went. We found one like that scene from Jingle All the Way. Yes, exactly. Uh we found one my dad found one uh hidden behind the coffee over in the grocery section.
2: In order to find the Furby, you
3: must think like the stock worker <laughs> or possibly the Furby. It depends on your location at that time. <sighs> but that that actually happened. Uh, We got one vote for your idea right now from 662, so that's a really good idea. you got to incentivize it because, let's be honest, look around. What's the incentive for a lot of people? Turnout has been low. It's been low for a while. We have a majority percentage of a minority of the population making the decisions on who's going to run things. And again, I keep throwing this out there, how's that working? Take a look around. If you don't get depressed, you're not paying attention. Take another look around, possibly schedule an eye doctor's appointment and make sure your vision's in good shape because you might not be picking up on some things. (sighs) Thomas, sounds like a good way to get a trash store. Um... Well, you got to remember, the Furby came out at a
2: point in time where there was a little bit more decorum.
3: Yes, there was. There were no fistfights. There were no, you know, screaming matches. There were no weapons involved. The doors didn't get broken. These are all things that have happened in, you know, the last five, ten years. That was a slightly different time. You're right. The only way we make any progress and change anything is by having the conversation. This goes back to what we, what I asked Congressman Guest earlier, uh, what Dr. Mitchell brought back up and we talked about again. Why do we wait until the House is on fire to discuss anything, to talk about anything, to try to work our way through things? Oh, no. We we don't discuss avalanche prevention protocols until the first pebble hits somebody's roof. Then we got to talk about it now. We have to start having these conversations. We have to have serious conversations where there are no ideas that are out of bounds. That is not the way we're doing things right now. Everybody is placed in their lane by who? Everybody else, which is the ironic part. Our entire political system right now consists of somebody else telling you what you're going to do. So I guess that's the exception that proves my rule from earlier. Final segment coming up. Where did that go? This, This has been a fast three hours. We'll try to wrap it up in style when we come back live in the Element Wealth Studios. Jesse DeBody Ventura, notwithstanding, right after this. It's
0: so
1: awesome! Middays with Gerard Gibbons. Yeah. Mm. Come on, let's
0: get on with the show! Yes. On Super Talk, Mississippi.
3: Welcome back, Super Talk, Mississippi, middays. The Element Wealth Studios in fine form today. Got my cord out of my chair wheel, so the state of the studio report now needs to be upgraded to good standing. If everybody else can be so picky, I can too, is the way I look at it. You know, originally I was going to, in this final segment, launch into this story about the fact that they now have four, spread around the country, four different businesses in Brazil that are, are you ready? Nudist barber shops. But the more I got to thinking of it and building up the mental image, I decided I wasn't going to do to you what I have now already done to myself for the rest of the day. And I'm going with a different story. We were talking about the thefts in Philadelphia. Obviously, a lot of robbery and stealing going on up there, because there's another story you may not have heard about in Philadelphia about a theft. Someone went to Don Shump. That's SHUMP. You can't make this stuff up. uh, Stole his shop vac out of his truck. Why would this possibly be newsworthy? Now, here's a mental image I want to leave you with. Mr. Shump owns the truck and the vacuum. On the side of the truck is the name of his business, the Philadelphia Bee Company. The shop vac that was stolen had been used by Mr. Shump to... (laughs) suck up, and I quote here, several hundred angry hornets that had infested somebody's house. So he went in to get them. He just sucked them all up into the shop bag. They were still in there. So now let's play this out in our mind how this is going to go. Someone has stolen a shop bag. Let's say they try to take it to the pawn shop. You get in the pawn shop. You say, see, it's good. Look, let me show you. You open it up. It's not going to be hard to find the thief. He's going to be the puffy-looking one over in the corner crying softly. So a little pro tip. If you're going to steal something, make sure it's not full of angry hornets. See, that's another measure Target could have taken, Rhino. Just not motivated, I guess.
2: You just got to remember to use a magic marker and put a big H on the side for Hornet.
3: Yeah, worst thing you want to do is grab the wrong shop vac out of the the, uh, equipment room. Leads to an entirely different set of problems. So, yeah, just remember, as you go through your day, no matter how dumb of a mistake you might make, and we all make them, you still haven't stolen a shop vac full of angry Hornets. So you're doing okay. It's all about the standards. Uh, Powerball's up to $850 million tonight. That's decent. Fourth largest in the history of the game. Uh, if nobody wins it tonight, it will be, you know, a stupid number again. Now, that $850 million, if you take the cash value, you're going to get $397 million, And then immediately, if somebody wins it tonight, you will see posts on Facebook explaining that, Look how much the taxes work! No. No dingbat. If you take the annuity option, where you get a certain amount every year for 20 or 30 years, you get the full $850 million because that money grows over that time. If you take you're still going to pay a boatload of
2: taxes, but
3: yeah. Oh no, yeah, you're still going to pay a bunch of taxes, no matter what, but uh, it's not as much as everybody wants to have you believe, which brings us neatly back around to our entire discussion today. When you have to start stretching the bounds of truth in order to make sure everybody agrees that you should be outraged over what you're outraged about, maybe we should just all calm down. I'm just full of the popular advice today. (sighs) Here's the way I look at it. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm not here to make friends. I do love you guys to death. Love the C Spire text line. This is the most brilliant hive mind on planet Earth. It is. And uh, Thomas is in there too. But, sorry, I had to do that. Come on, it was a cheap joke, but yeah, it's my favorite kind. But sometimes somebody has to say the thing nobody is wanting to say. Which is the entire point. We all need to start doing that instead of sniping. We'll get better results, I think. Had a good time as always, Rhino. Welcome back to work. Sorry it was to this, but you know, you get it's luck of the draw. You get what you're gonna get, man. It's
2: the way the chips fall sometimes.
3: Yeah, yeah. Every once in a while, the ball doesn't even bounce because it just needs to be aired up. Have a good time. I have no idea when I'll be back or if I'll be back. <laughs> I'm maybe maybe working the checkout line at a Stuckey's by tonight. You never know, but. I will see you again soon, I am sure, my friend. See you then. A
0: Super Talk, Mississippi Media Production.